Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to yet another episode of Everyday Truth and our second episode here in our series on the book of 1 Timothy. Forgot to introduce our theme uh, last episode. We've uh, called this series simply Behave Yourself. Now, I know, I know that when I say that, you probably have flashbacks about when you were four years old and you were misbehaving in church and your mom flicked your ear. But um, really, it's not without biblical precedence because the Bible says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. So Paul said, hey, I want to come back and see you, Timothy. This is in chapter 3 and verse 15. But if I can't get there, I I do want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. So when I say behave yourself, um, in the spirit of full disclosure, what that means is having the right information and then having the faith to act upon what you know. So behavior, obviously, as as, as preachers, as believers, we're not looking simply for behavior modification. We're looking to please God by trusting his word and following it. And so when I say behave yourself, that's the context in which I say that. You know, I love that context you give, Pastor, about behaving yourself, you know, acting in accordance with what God's called you to do is what Paul's want Timothy to do. And I think even as you read verse one the last time, how that Paul says he had a commandment to be an apostle. And Paul had behaved himself as an apostle, had obeyed the command of Christ. And now he wants Timothy to behave himself and to follow Christ as Timothy knows he should and Paul's going to clarify, these are areas to behave yourself in. Here's what you do. Here's how you operate. And so I think it's a great title for this book here, how that Timothy ought behave himself in the house of God. Verse number three is where we're going to begin today, chapter one. And Paul says this, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. In other words, Paul said, I've already told you this. I, I, I really encouraged you already to stay where you are. And and here's when Paul said that. He said, when I went into Macedonia. So I told you when I left for you to stay. Now, why? Why did Paul tell Timothy to stay? Well, it tells us here in verse three, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So what had Paul told Timothy to do and why? You know, Timothy here was a young man, obviously still a young man. He's been with Paul for some time now. Paul has mentored him. And it speaks well of Timothy that Paul had the confidence in Timothy's ability and Timothy's, you know, knowledge to stay there and correct some false teaching that was going on. Everywhere we see Paul going to, we often see right after that false teachers coming in, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, trying to change the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. And we find Paul gets very forceful in Galatians about this issue because it was a huge problem. And here this happened at Ephesus. And so Paul wants Timothy to stay there and keep people focused on the gospel, the main thing, not delve into things that, you know, just end up in bitter fighting and things of no consequence, but to stay focused on the word of God and his purity and his simplicity and to not allow false teaching to come in 
to pull people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a strong word, that you would charge some. In other words, Timothy, exercise pastoral authority, not just in a general sense, but deal with these teachers that are teaching what is clearly not scriptural. And the Bible says those unscriptural teacher teachings are based upon fables and endless genealogies. So the, the word fable would be the word we translate myth today. In other words, people can get use the Bible to preach the most fanciful things. And they can go down the, the most imaginative rabbit holes. And the apostle Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, first of all, obviously don't do that yourself, but don't allow that kind of teaching to become germane to the life of the church. People need the word of God. They don't need some fancy twist or some a theory or some person's uh, opinion or some wow illustration. They need the word of God and they also need the authority of God. So God's word has inherent authority, but what teachers were doing back in Paul's day is they were basing their authority not on the word of God. Jesus, even when he came as the son of God, taught authoritatively the word of God. No man spake like this man spake. He speaks as one that has authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees, because the scribes and Pharisees were they who would say, well, you know, I come from a long line of priests and look at my pedigree, look at my genealogy. So they were more concerned about the people with whom they were connected than the word of God and the God of the word with whom they should have been connected. You know, one thing that Paul makes clear throughout all of his epistles that he writes is that he is very much concerned about the integrity and sincerity of the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel is given plainly, that it's not somehow made to be convoluted, hard to understand. And what happens sometimes if people preach the word of God as if it's really not very clear, but I have this secret knowledge, I can make it clear to you. People get the feeling I can interpret the Bible. Paul knew that was not true. He, as you mentioned, Pastor, he knew the Bible had authority and he wanted Timothy to exercise the authority given to him to make people understand this is the word of God. Let's don't get away from the simple gospel and let's don't get pulled off into areas that are not going to help the body of Christ, but will cause division and problems in the body of Christ. Yeah, the, the chief reason to preach a fable would be for a preacher to be able to say, look it, I told you something you've never heard before. And the chief reason for emphasizing endless genealogies would be, and look at how important I am. So these were preachers that were, were currently teaching in Ephesus who were more bent upon being thought of highly, being thought of as, as good preachers who are important than they were about the growth of the people to whom they were preaching. That's why Paul creates the contrast here when he says, rather than rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. You know, we, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the repository for our faith. So it's only as we give people the word of God that they can grow. It's only as we give people the, the simple commands, precepts of God's word, that they can be edified in Christ. And so Paul is making an appeal here. Timothy 
deal with the people that are not preaching the word of God so that the church is a place where the word of God is faithfully, simply, and consistently taught. You know, it's human nature to take what God has given us and to somehow build our own edifice out of it, to make something that appeals to our flesh rather than simply staying with the simplicity of God's word. And Paul has seen that time and again. He's, he knows the problem now. And he wants Timothy, look, don't get off in all man's man, man-made religion about the Bible. Focus on the scriptures, preach the scriptures, as you mentioned, Pastor. That is what will edify people and help them grow in Christ. So to, to get the main thought then of verses three and four, what Paul is saying is, hey, I told you to do this, all the things we just talked about. Deal with these false teachers. Here's why. Here's what they ought to be doing. When I told you to do this, now look at what it says at the end of verse four, so do. In other words, Timothy, stay where you are and keep doing what I told you to do. That's really what verses three and four say. Stay where you are and keep doing what I told you to do, which implies two things. Number one, that there is a tendency sometimes when we are doing well, well-doing, to get weary in well-doing. That, that's implication number one. Implication number two is that these false teachers are persisting in their negative habits and need to be consistently dealt with. And I think sometimes also, Pastor, people who are well-meaning individuals, who are people who really love God, is they, they get tired of pointing out error and fighting for the truth. They get tired of contending for the truth. And so, well, let's just accept what people say. And rather than really preaching the gospel authoritatively, you know, then they just becomes a big tent where you really have no gospel at all left. And Paul knew that could be a problem. And Paul in Galatians even pointed out, you know, if I, if I wanted to reach more people, I would trim my message. But I preach the gospel clearly, and he wants Timothy to do the same thing, as we've mentioned already, so that people can come to Christ. That is Paul's great desire. So if ungodly teaching is an emphasis on the unfables and the inflated importance of the teacher himself and doesn't really edify, then what does good teaching and good doctrine look like? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 5, now the end or the purpose of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So not only is it important that the truth be taught, but that the truth be taught with the right motivations. And we see that in Paul time and again in his, own, in his epistles about his own ministry. And that's what he wants Timothy to understand is, Timothy, you have to have the right motivation to have a pure heart. Don't be hypocritical. Just minister with integrity. And this comes out, Paul mentions this on a number of occasions in his epistles, that he has sought to minister with integrity because Paul knows what can happen. If we don't do that, then we will go awry. He doesn't want Timothy as a young man to go down the wrong road. He wants him to stay with the right motivation, preach the right thing, have the right heart for the church of God. Biblical love will always be the mark of biblical preaching. Always. The end of the commandment is charity. It is charity. So it is charity that is the indicator that men are right with each other. It's charity that is the chief indicator that a person walks in the spirit. Galatians 5 uh, verses 22 and 23. Uh, Love is the great commandment. Uh, Love is the encapsulation of the law as we love God and love others. So when the Bible says the end of the commandment is charity, 
That's an, that's a, an appropriate saying. But where does charity come from? What 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 are the what are the motivators for charity? Charity emanates from what kind of a heart? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse five that charity comes from a pure heart. I can't at once love others and love God and have a duplicitous heart. You know, in Christ points out Christ points out the importance of our heart. That out of the heart is where the mouth speaks from. And you're right, Pastor. Our heart is extremely important. I think in Proverbs four twenty three, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If we do not guard our heart, if we let our heart be captured by desires of the flesh, we are not going to serve Christ out of love because we're going to have divided loyalties and we're not going to be faithful to God. Sure. Saying I love you out of an impure heart is almost a mockery. And so charity emanates from a pure heart, but then the Bible says, and of a good conscience. Again, the conscience that God has given us especially as believers. We have a Holy Spirit enlivened conscience. Uh, Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So as believers, we have, uh, we're much more intuitive to the heart of God and to that which would offend others and all of that. And the Bible says that we want to make sure that when we treat others, when we teach to others, when we serve others, we're doing that with a good conscience. Paul said, I want to live in such a way that I have a conscience void of offense toward God. Lord, as far as I know, I'm walking with you and toward men. As far as I know, I'm not consciously doing anything that is going to be deleterious to the spiritual health of other believers. And I love Paul's heart here, how he's telling Timothy about the idea of having love for people and showing Timothy, Timothy in gospel ministry, you know, it's not just some job where you're punching the clock. It's not just some job where you're just serving or you're working or whatever. No, this is, this is based upon who you are as an individual in your life. If you're not right with God, then no matter how eloquently you preach, you're not going to have the right heart of love for people. But ministry is about people. And I cannot love people correctly if I am not right with God myself and how I view others. So charity comes from that pure heart and from that good conscience and from an unpretended faith, a faith unfeigned. All of these go together, obviously. You can't really have a pure heart without a good conscience, and you can't have a good conscience without an unfeigned faith. But it's just kind of three angles to look at the integrity of the heart. That is to say, it's a faith that's not faked. Uh, Paul will tell Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, Timothy, uh, you have an unfeigned faith. So one thing about Timothy that was true in spite of some of his failures was the fact that he was real. He was real. He was authentic. His faith was a true indicator of what he claimed he believed. The Bible says that's where charity comes from. Charity comes from people that authentically believe in the Lord, that faith shows up in their actions and their priorities and their attitudes. They have a good conscience and a and an unmitigated heart, a heart that's not duplicitous, a heart that's really bent upon serving God and others. But I tell you what, when a person preaches with that kind of purity and then centers on the pure word of God, that's going to be a result in a loving environment. It's a very powerful ministry. And as I think what you've been talking about right now, Pastor, and the what Paul's charge is to Timothy, I think today in our lives, uh, we as people of God, how we are to behave ourselves and what God's called us to. 
you know, some of our listeners are pastors or Bible teachers. Some are lay people, as, as we would call them uh, many times. But all of us who are believers, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And this is what we have to have in our life. If we're going to be effective in whatever ministry we have for Jesus Christ, this is a great template for how we should serve with the Word of God as we have that opportunity. It is certainly a tall order. But remember, every one of God's expectations is also a a an opportunity for us to yield to the Spirit, to allow God to live through us and to help us to be the blessing and help to others that we're supposed to be. So I hope that helps today. We got through uh, a couple of verses, so I'm, I'm pleased with our progress. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, a little bit more of the contrast between what good preaching biblical preaching and pure-hearted preaching looks like and and its opposite. So I hope you'll join us next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.